Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to give you a quick update on the most perfect summer mask. I was incredibly uncomfortable in conventional masks, particularly in the heat, so I designed and created a breathable, comfortable, non-medical mask to get us all through this summer. The response was completely overwhelming and the mask sold out twice before I could even get them up on the site. I'm happy to announce that they are finally fully stocked and available to ship immediately at impactfashionnyc.com. Just select mask from the main menu. Thanks for all your support and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. And on today's show, I talk with a body positive love coach about her own experiences with weight based discrimination during dating and how a realization that you can only control your own emotions led her to her current work with Saints. Sarah Kupfer is not afraid to tackle the things nobody wants to talk about. I first met her when she was a fitness coach, affectionately known as the Fit Jewess, working to separate exercise from the pursuit of weight loss. It was in that work that she realized the place that she could have the most impact was in working with single women to find in themselves the love they deserve. As a little kid, I was cute. <laughs> I was a really cute little kid. We just I just had my wedding shower last week and they hung up um, pictures of me from like a baby through high school and that was really, really cute. Um, I would say I wasn't necessarily like nerdy, nerdy and like on the outs, but I was definitely not one of the cool kids. Definitely not one of the cool kids. Um, I was eh, regular, just good model student, model child, no drama, always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So like always selling and buying and selling and crafting and doing programs and whatever I could to put a little cash in my pocket. Um, what was your first business? My first business, I would say, was fourth grade when I did like a pre-Pesach program, like a program before Passover for the little kids in the neighborhood. You Oh, like a backyard camp type? Yeah. Wait, if you're in fourth grade, that makes you like nine. Yeah, that means you're perfect for like the three and four-year-olds. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about the, the like really little kids. <laughs> that, okay, that makes sense to me. That, that works. That makes sense. So, and then, so you're, you're very entrepreneurial. You're going through school. You're always, you know, just doing your thing. I know you had a clothing store at one point. I did. I started my clothing store when I was in 10th grade. Right. And then I know you, I got to know you recently, probably within the last, how long has it been? Two years? Yeah, at least two years. Something like that. I don't know. Have we hit our anniversary yet? For sure. <laughs> Several times over. We're an old married couple. Um, where I, I got to know you as the fit Jewess. And right, and we we connected online, and then we did a couple of events together. And to talk to me about what that was, how how that came to be, and, and what your passion with that was. Sure, I guess I totally forgot to tell you that I was not a small kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a little chubby. Um, I was always on a diet. I was always being told that I was adorable and pretty, and how much cuter, not cuter, how much prettier I would be if I was, you know, just five pounds smaller. The thing they don't tell you is that when you get those five pounds, they just want five more and then five more and then five more, but we'll leave that aside for now. Um, I forgot what your question was. 
um, talk to me about how you got into fitness and fit Jewish. Okay. So my favorite sport growing up was sitting on the couch with a really good book. That is a fantastic sport. I am with you on that. 100%. Like when all my friends were out playing ball or I don't know, doing whatever kids do in summer afternoons, I was reading a book on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like the last kid chosen for any sports team during recess or PE or anything like that. As I got older, you really couldn't pay me to go to the gym. I hate anything that sounds like exercise and exercise to me was always cardio and um, kickboxing and Zumba and step class. Do, do people even do step class anymore? I don't know, but I feel I like it was- I don't think so. I think that the Zumba craze is also like definitely waning down. I mean, all of that stuff is not a thing now with quarantine. Like all those right. places are all shut down. So like <laughs> the right. thing now is whatever's free on YouTube and you can do in your living room. Right, basically, basically. Um, but when I was 21 and I was moving from Toronto where I'm from to California, I felt like I should probably introduce some movement into my life. And I'd read an article about CrossFit Something about the idea of weightlifting intrigued me, and I figured I would give it a shot. So literally, you have to go for an intro class. And so it's my intro class, and the coach is like, okay, we're going to do a 400-meter run. And I looked at him like he fell off the moon. How far is 400 meters for people? A quarter of a mile. That's a very long way. It, I mean, a slow mile, a medium-slow mile run is like 12 minutes. So that's okay. like three minutes of running. 400 meters is like three, four minutes if you're slow, like really I slow. mean, I could probably do, there was a point in my life when I was training for a half marathon. Yeah. This is not about me, but I'll tell you a story. <laughs> a friend of mine really wanted to do a marathon. And she yeah. was like, we should train for this together. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds like <laughs> torture. I don't want to do that. And then she she kind of wore me down. And also the idea of doing a marathon, the idea of becoming someone who run, like the idea of becoming a fit person was exciting to me. So I was right. like, okay, we'll do this half marathon. So she talked me to it. We trained for this half marathon. I use the word train very loosely. Very, okay. very <laughs> loosely. I ended up doing a three and a half, almost four hour half marathon. So somebody, like I was basically doing 15 minute miles. Okay. So for someone out of nowhere to be like, just go run for three minutes. That's, that's, that's a big ask. Okay. So you get me, you get me. I 100% get you. It was a really big ask, 400 meters. Who does he think he is? So I kind of just looked at him and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. He's like, all right, you do 280 meters. Like basically run around the block. So I'm like halfway through, I'm huffing and puffing and down to a crawl. Thank God I brought my asthma inhaler with me. And by the end of the class, I was like, where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) So I started going crossfitting twice a week. And I love, love, love the feel of the barbell in my hand. That's like my favorite piece of equipment for anyone who's not familiar. The barbell is like the really, really long pole with the weights at the end. Like what I, when I think of like a cartoon character lifting Correct. Got it. Correct. And I just, I fell in love with it. And through my fitness journey, um, I realized how incredibly capable my body is and how much energy and strength I can build because I'm not a strong person naturally. And I never had good energy, uh, and I never had good 
endurance or stamina or anything like that. And I always thought I needed to lose weight in order to get to that point. And then I realized you just got to do the thing that builds it. Like I can lose weight from here until tomorrow. I'm not going to, but that's a side story. But like, even if you lose weight, you still need to work on the energy and the strength, the stamina and endurance and strength in order to get better at it. And so I started realizing how little we valued exercise for exercise's sake. And it was always, at least in the community I come from and the people that I surrounded myself with, it was always a tool for weight loss. And through my fitness journey, I didn't actually lose any weight, but I felt so much better about myself. And I started to realize that maybe the weight wasn't that important as long as I was feeling good. And so I decided to become a CrossFit coach, took CrossFit training, started coaching women and girls, did that for a while. That's when you got to know me, even moved from California to New Jersey to open a studio all I can right. Say that is, was like, that was like towards the beginning of all of our, like, I yeah. got to know you when you were in California and then you were like, I'm moving back to Jersey and I'm opening this studio. And I was like, that, that was like around when, like that was towards the beginning of, of our friendship. Right. Right. So between when I started and when I moved, one of my clients actually introduced me to intuitive eating. And I think that you spoke about intuitive eating on the previous podcast of yours, right? Yeah. So we did a whole, um, it was actually one of the first interviews that I did go scroll all the way back in the podcast feed, um, uh, to my interview with Rachel Tuckman, because she is particularly passionate about diet culture and about the effect that it has on children in particular. Um, because there is a huge effect on hearing, like you said, everyone always saying, if you just had, if, if you were five pounds lighter, if you were five pounds lighter, if you were five pounds lighter. Um, and she comes at it from a mental health angle. She's a licensed mental health counselor and she works with kids who sometimes whose parents have put them in therapy and, you know, sometimes parents will, uh, you know, approach her and say, can you help my daughter with their over, with her overeating? And she'll say, I'll help her deal with any, you know, issues, but I'm not going to put her on a diet. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get that from me. So yeah, we've, we, um, and she also spoke about, um, intuitive eating quite a bit, but, uh, can you give like a three second primer for someone who might not be familiar with it? With intuitive eating? Yeah. Yeah. So intuitive eating is a guideline with 10 principles that essentially help you get back in tune with your body's hunger, fullness signals, and learn to recognize your inner cues with regards to eating. So instead of focusing on you need to be a certain weight and restricting foods as a result, it really focuses on just eating in a way that best suits your body to give you optimal function on a day-to-day basis. So instead of focusing on an external thing, like the amount of calories in something, you're focusing on an internal thing, like how full you feel. Correct. And that's, again, hunger and fullness are really just two principles of it. We definitely, there is definitely an element of gentle nutrition, of choosing foods in general that, that you like and that make you feel physically good. Right. Um, And it definitely has, uh, and I'm sure Rachel discussed this, but it definitely has a lot of, it ha- I feel like dietitians who are weight loss oriented focus on the physical aspect of food, which is so important. The nutritional value of food is really important to know and understand. But in the process, 
they don't necessarily focus on the psychological aspects of it. And I don't mean like mindset. Like I know a lot of dietitians like, you know, do a whole mindset portion and like getting you right into, into the right headspace to lose weight and feel good restricting your foods. But all of that doesn't take into account the psychological effects of that restriction, the emotional effects of that restriction and what is that gonna lead to down the road. Um, so one of my clients introduced me to intuitive eating, which led me down the rabbit hole of intuitive eating and health at every size and body positivity. And I had noticed, yeah. You just threw out a lot of words. Correct. A lot of terms. Um, right. And I didn't want to interrupt you in the middle of the sentence, but you saw me like, we're, you know, we're on a video chat now. You saw me be like, cause I was just bombarded with like all of these things. So I want you to finish your sentence, finish your sentence. Back. And then we're going to create a dictionary because um, those terms are thrown around and nobody knows what they mean or how they, or how they should be applied or how they could be applied. Awesome. So I will finish my sentence. I said that I, it led me down the rabbit hole of body positivity, intuitive eating, health at every size. And I had noticed that a lot of the clients that were coming to me were single women who wanted to lose weight in order to have an easier experience with dating. Right. And that kind of led me to where I am today, but let's go back for a second. So intuitive eating, we just addressed health at every size is basically the premise that everyone can pursue health at whatever weight they are. So it doesn't necessarily mean, if you've heard of this before and you've kind of read some posts here and there, there's a little bit of a misconception that it means that your weight does not in any way, shape or form affect your health. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that A, you can still pursue health regardless of your size, and B, even if your weight maybe having an impact. I'll give you a very simple example. Someone in a larger body may experience a bigger struggle with joint pain because of the weight, but the solution isn't necessarily to then go lose weight. Why not? Weight loss as a goal has not been seen as effective. Not, up to 95% of people who lose weight gain it back up to two thirds lose more, uh, gain more weight than they ever lost. So the idea that if you lose weight, you will see the results that you're looking for, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And even if yes, very likely only in the short term because it is typically not sustainable. So what would a health at every size approach say to someone who is suffering from joint pain and is what is considered overweight? So I'm not a medical professional. I would okay. refer out, <laughs> um, but they would folk, They would look at other tools and habits of health to help with that. So whether it's something like physical therapy, where the person can learn what is the best way for me to move my body in a way that puts the least amount of pressure on my pain. I'm not even 100% sure if that's exactly how physical therapy works, but that idea right? It's, it's instead of always looking, you know, instead of always turning to weight as the issue or the cause or the solution, it says, how can we address this problem by looking at the actual problem? The problem isn't the weight. The problem is the joint pain. Right. So it's kind of saying, I, I understand how if you're coming at it from the angle of, okay, I've got 
um, I have this joint pain. If I lose weight, it might go away. Let's say there's like an 80% chance that it'll go away if I lose weight. However, if I lose weight, that weight will stay off for maybe two, three months, and then it'll probably slowly creep back up because diets don't work. Diets, you can't sustain a diet. Eating that way just doesn't, it's just not something that is sustainable. And so in, let's say five months from now, when I'm back at the original weight that I started at or whatever, I'm making up the timelines, yeah. but in a couple of months from now, when I'm back at the original weight that I started at, I'll still be in the same joint pain and I won't be in, you know, it, the problem will not have been solved. So instead, if I focus and, on, and between me and you, you're going to feel worse about yourself. Right. Yeah. Cause like, like I was, I was thinking that, but I didn't even well. want to say it. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll feel like a failure. And like right. all the people in my life who told me that I look so amazing are now going to be giving me weird side eye and right. all of that. <laughs> so like ignoring all of that for a second, but just from a purely medical perspective in a, within, let's say a year, my problem will not be solved um, because the Correct. solution was super temporary and unsustainable. So how do I go about solving this problem in a way that is independent of my weight? That's health at every size. Precisely. Okay. I get it. Um, uh, body positivity, I always just assumed was feel great about your body. Like talk to yourself nicely. You don't need to be super tiny to feel great about your body. Is that okay. a really dumbed down approach to it? It's not a dumbed down approach. I think it's one aspect of it. There is nuance. And from a politically correct standpoint. Screw that. Tell me what you actually think. <laughs> no, no. I, just, I think it's important to mention. I think we need to differentiate for a second between positive body image and body positivity, the movement. Got it. Because the movement was originally started by and for fat people to A, like you said, create space for them to get to a place where they can feel comfortable and good about their bodies, but also to help us as a society get to a point where individuals in larger bodies have access to the same opportunities, the same, are given the same rights and privileges as people in smaller bodies because that doesn't really exist in our society today what's an example of a right or a privilege that someone in a small body might have over someone in a larger body being able to go on an airplane and close their seatbelt without worrying about it okay um walking into a store and not really and and walking into a store and not being looked up and down be like yeah we don't have your size tell me about that right <laughs> that so there are little things that they're not like life-threatening, right. uh, but they are a daily part of our lived experience, our living experience. Um, right. So you, yeah. as you're working with, um, with clients through intuitive eating and through fitness and all of this, you start to notice that a lot of your clients are single girls who are pursuing weight loss in an attempt to make their dating life easier in an attempt to make it easier you know these are um i'm presuming mostly in the orthodox community um originally yes, originally, originally yeah okay. i was working with orthodox jewish women um with time that shifted but yeah that's okay where so especially when you're starting out um the at speaking as an orthodox jewish woman that's a very marriage focused community um right. you you know, you don't generally find people who like date just to mess around. Generally, it's like when you get to a marriageable age, whatever that is, <laughs> then you you start to date pretty seriously 
you know, you go husband hunting. Um, and you find <laughs> that you, you find in your work that as you're working with, with women, there are plenty of people who are pursuing weight loss in pursuit, you know, while they're doing that husband hunting. Right. What, what were you thinking about that? Tell me about your feelings on that. Super relatable, super relatable. Um, I am now engaged wedding in 18 days, God willing. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but I dated for nine years and I was always marriage minded from the day I started dating and I struggled because I come, so I come from the right wing Orthodox community where, where matchmaking is a big part of the dating process. And I really had negative experiences working with matchmakers. I had negative experiences going to singles events. I had, I was always being told I have the perfect guy for you. He's just looking for someone thin or, um, you know, if you just lost 10 pounds, it would be a lot easier to set you up. So I get it. I get where they came there. They were coming from, but because I had done so much inner work and because I had gotten to a place where I ditched dieting through all the research that I'd done once I became a fitness coach, because I, experience the liberation I wanted everyone else to feel that too and I was always very confident in the belief that God had my Mr. Right somewhere I didn't always know where and sometimes I was just like can you just let me know when you'll bring him but like I knew he existed and I knew that God knows my address so I was always confident in the belief that when it was meant to happen I would meet the right person for me but not everyone has belief to that degree. A lot of women struggle with that. And when you're struggling with that and you're constantly being told that you're too fat to get married and you're being told that no one's going to be attracted to you and you're being told that if you happen to manage to snag someone, they're not going to stick around. I mean, it gets to you and the solution is let's lose weight. Right. See, I can relate to that on a different level because um, when I was in the dating process for someone who doesn't know the orthodox jewish dating system is very strange and it's kind of like fiddler in the roof but not exactly but also way closer to that than anyone would be wants to admit um (laughs) but it's pretty it's like they're like 90 percent there (laughs) kind of um minus the fake dreams and the shtetl but also in some places with the shtetl but either way um (laughs) Either way, for me, I had that um, th- about my business. I had so many people tell me, I'm just going to tell him you're a teacher or I'm just going to tell him you're a speech therapist. And I was like, yeah, but that's not true. <laughs> I was like, what do you, I told her, I was like, I'm not going to lie to cover for you. I'm not going to do that. And right. also just no. They're like, oh, well, guys don't like ambitious girls. I say, well, then that guy does not have big enough balls for me. Sorry. Like that's, that's fine. <laughs> literally, literally. I can't literally. tell you how many times I went out with a guy and I was like, yeah, let's go out again. And the math maker was like, he's intimidated. And I'm like, like what? why? I mean, okay. like, fine. 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 So you're a baby. Next. Right. <laughs> Next. Um, so yeah, being, so for me, I was, because I just thought that the thing that I was being told was so ridiculous. And I was like, oh, you're intimidated by someone who like might potentially make more money than you or might potentially just have more of a career than you or might potentially have like actual thoughts and dreams. Great. 
next. Like, I don't care. But being told something that as women were told from a very young age, like you said, you're always on a diet. As women were told, be smaller, be prettier, all of that. Um, And then to be told something that in the back of your head, you maybe think is even a little true. Like maybe if I was 10 pounds smaller, I would be getting more dates. Maybe if I was 10 pounds smaller, I would be, I would be married already. Maybe if I was 10 pounds smaller, there would be more options for me. Um, I can imagine that getting in your head really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do with that information when you were presented with it? When people were telling you, you just need to be 10 pounds smaller. What were you, what was going through your head? I just, you know, wrote them off personally. Um, But what I noticed with my clients is that we have a problem with our system. And for a long time, I try to fix that problem by addressing what is the root of the problem and where is this coming from and why are we talking about weight at such a young age and because I was I was interviewed for um, a magazine a couple years ago one of the questions they asked me was when was the first time that you remember hearing a conversation about dieting and I was really surprised when I thought back that I couldn't pinpoint a specific incident for me dieting is as much a part of the Jewish culture as like Shabbat and dietary laws and all of that stuff it, it's it's just a part of our culture yeah for sure so so for a long and and the funny thing is as much as it's a part of our culture today it's not a Jewish value it's not a Torah value it's not a religious value of ours so right. that really really bothered me and for a while I did think about, you know, where do we, who do we have to speak to in order to address this problem? Eventually I realized you can't change anyone else, right? right? I mean, obviously I knew it in the back of my head, but I realized instead of focusing all of my time on trying to fix society and trying to have conversations with the matchmakers and have conversations with the families and have conversations with the singles and all of which is great. And I'm here for it. If someone comes to me, I'm happy to do a workshop. I'm happy to um, give a presentation or have a conversation. But I realized so much of what the women are struggling with is their own belief that this could happen for them. And when they don't have the right belief, what are they attracting? Right. Right. So So like so much of the problem is that women at every size, I'm sure, like in larger bodies and in medium bodies and in smaller bodies, feel like I am in this, in whatever way that I look, I am not worthy of love as I am. And that is the most unattractive thought you could possibly have. Like there's nothing more attractive than someone who is confident and feels good about themselves. And just feeling like nobody could possibly love you the way you are is, I can't think of anything less attractive. Right, right. I'll give you, I'll give you a really practical example. I had a client who was talking to me. She was saying um, that she used to go out with her friends to the bars um, when she was at college. And she noticed that the friends she was with who were thinner always got hit on. And she's like, I noticed that every single time no one ever hit on me. And so I'm just standing there. All my friends are having fun, enjoying themselves. And I'm like the fat girl on the side. So I asked her, what were you doing? while all your friends were, you know, enjoying themselves. And she's like, well, I was standing awkwardly at the side. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And she said to me, she's like, I just ended up attracting like all these awkward, nerdy guys. Not that there's anything wrong with awkward, nerdy guys, but that wasn't what she was looking for. 
And I'm thinking, okay, picture the scenario. Let's say there are four, four women, four college girls out at a bar. Three of them are thin. One of them is in a larger body. Um, and three of them are comfortable with themselves and they're flirtatious and they're, you know, chatting up whoever's there. And one of them is awkwardly standing to the side because she feels so uncomfortable and she already has this expectation that no one's going to come up to talk to her. So she kind of feels a little left out into the side and like, all the other awkward guys are like, oh, she feels us. She gets it. She's also standing awkwardly to the side. So they're going to awkwardly walk over to her and awkwardly try to make conversation. Because that, that's, that, she wasn't intentionally attracting that kind of person, but based on what she believed about herself, that belief kind of set the expectation for what she expected out of the situation, which led to her actions, which led to that belief coming true, right? Now, right. imagine that same woman being super confident, hanging out with her friends, chatting up the guys, being flirtatious, she's going to attract a very different kind of man. Right. Uh, nothing to do with her size. Correct. But just uh, from the energy that she's putting out. Correct. Okay. So you work, so you, So I'm assuming with this particular client, you worked with her to get her to feel just, just to kind of feel herself a little more, just to, to really own that confidence to present herself in a way that is attractive. Yeah. Yeah, and that usually starts with the belief that they can get the guy they want. Okay, so give me some real practical tips. If I am feeling, I'm feeling a little blah, I'm feeling not so great about my body, I'm feeling not so great about my prospects, what, what is something that I can do to make myself feel better about myself and therefore, you know, put out better energy in the world um, and attract people who um, would be more my speed? Okay, so I'm going to keep it really dating specific because um, that's what I do with my clients. I will give you the first exercise that I do with pretty much any client. All right? Okay. What does he look like? And they're like, what? I'm like, Des describe your man. Oh, I never thought about it. Come on. Like, what is he? Okay, he has blonde hair, blue eyes. What does he do? Oh, my gosh. I really never, I just, I don't even believe it was going to happen. I never even allowed myself to think that far. We literally go through a visualization exercise. What does he look like? Where is he from? What is his accent? What does he do? What kind of partner is he? Are there kids in your future? What kind of father is he? What kind of parenting um, together, what, what kind of parenting approach do you take? What do your dates night, date nights look like? Your tenures down the road, it's your 10 year anniversary. He surprises you. What does that surprise look like? You'd be surprised or not by how many people have never even thought about having someone in their life because as much as they want it, they don't really allow themselves to go down the road of picturing it because it hurts too much when they don't get it. But as long as they're not picturing it, it's not really a real idea. It's like this huge want and dream. Like, I want to, I don't know, move to Scotland. Like, not really, but like, I want to. I would love to. Would be amazing. How, what's my plan? I don't have a plan. Am I saving money? No. Do I, have I looked at locations? No. Do I know what kind of house I want? No. Are you moving to Scotland? Yeah. What? Right. right? So 
again, one thing I'm going to make really, really, really clear, the guy that they're visualizing, or if you're doing this with me, the guy that you're visualizing, this is not necessarily the guy you're going to marry. And I want to make that, I think that's an important distinction, just because you have this vision of who he is, not everything has to match up. I can tell you 100%, the guy that I'm marrying is nothing like the guy I was looking for, but he's perfect for me. Um, and that's fine, but just being able to get into that headspace of visualizing someone else in your life, and then we take it to the next level. I send all my clients a box, like a physical box, and they, are you familiar with a vision board? Yeah, sure. Okay, awesome. So for anyone else who's not, vision board, most people do it career-oriented, life-oriented, where you um, like cut out magazine pictures and words from newspapers, whatever else, and just create this visual of what you want your life to look like. So we do that with life, including their husband in the picture. Right. Um, and I have them literally create this board, and then we use the box for other things later down the road. Um, but literally having this visual of what my life looks like in five years from now with a husband, potentially with a family, um, to just really get the ball rolling oh yeah, this, this could happen for me. And it seems like such a simple thing. It's like, that's not even about body image. It's not, but it creates that belief that this is possible for me. Right. It creates by visualizing what your ideal man looks like, what your future together looks like, what your family looks like, you start to believe it. It's kind of a really sophisticated fake until you make it. Yeah, kind of, but it works. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of fake until you make it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big giant fan of it. Like a, mo pretty much everyone you see is improvising in some way or another. Right. So. 100%, 100%. And that then we'll go through, we'll, we'll also go through other exercises, like just exploring what limiting beliefs they have, what's blocking them, where are those fears coming from? Um, very often they're fears that are not unfounded because they exist as a result of messages that have been received about their weight or size or whatever. But the fears have rarely actually come true. What's an example of something like that? I had a client who was afraid of putting herself out there online because she was afraid of like all the nasty comments that she's going to get about her profile picture. And she had dated online before and asked her, how many of those nasty comments did you get? She's like, hmm. Oh, yeah, none. <sighs> right? Right. Like we hear horror stories and we have enough people in our lives making those comments that we just expect them. Right. And that expectation kind of stops us from doing the things that we want. As human beings, I don't understand why we were designed this way, but we were designed to avoid pain before pursuing pleasure. Right. Which right. We're, we're more scared of the letdown. Correct. Which means that fear of rejection super valid fear or fear of being hurt super valid fear often prevent someone from pursuing a husband pursuing you know through dating because they're so afraid of that potential possible rejection in her right and right. so it's like you can go after it possibly meet your husband possibly be rejected and um, hurt along the way or not go after it and definitely not get that husband but also not get rejected also not get rejected but then there's no chance of the husband you right. know what I mean right 
Right. I, I hear it. You know, it, it is, it does become really hard to put yourself out there that way, especially when you are talking about something like marriage, which is a very, it's personal, man. Like yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's intense. And particularly when you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about maybe a shortened dating process, um, mm-hmm. and, and all of that, you mentioned that, um, in the beginning, your clients were mainly in the Orthodox community. Mm-hmm. Where, where does your client, where do your clients fall now? Right now, I would say about half and half, but more, uh, mid, half and half. I can't have a majority, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not an even half and half. Let's say 60, 40 or 70, 30, um, with the majority being not from the Jewish community or not from the Orthodox community specifically. So do you see a difference in the way that um, the general population maybe approaches dating in regards to size um, as opposed to the Orthodox community? It's an interesting question because I spent a really long time researching this issue within the Orthodox community. And I knew that it existed outside of the Orthodox community. I just, I think the bottom line, the bottom line answer is no, there isn't a difference. At a surface level, how you would, no, how you approach it isn't different either. To me, it would seem that like, that because the, um, like I dated my husband for about four months Mm -hmm. and that was considered a very long time. Um, like in some circles and there are some people listening to that who are probably like, girl, what did you get yourself into (laughs) Four months? You barely knew him. What were you thinking? Um, but one of my sisters dated her husband for three weeks. So, I mean, granted they had gone out previously, so whatever. They had kind of known each other a little bit, but that's not the point. It's actually really funny because I always said I wanted to date for a long time. And again, from the community that I come from, a long time is three months. (laughs) Right. And we ended up dating for seven months and then we're engaged for like five and a half. Yesterday was actually our one year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And I totally forgot about it yesterday. I've been like (laughs) waiting for it all week. And yesterday I just forgot. Did he remember? Um, What? Did he remember? Oh, he doesn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually remember. The only reason why I remember the date that I got engaged is because I happened, like, I think that for whatever reason, the passcode on my phone needed to be reset around the time that I got engaged, like maybe, maybe like one or two weeks later. Uh And I was like, this is such an important date. I'm always going to remember it. I'm going to make that date, the passcode for my phone so that I never forget the passcode for my phone. Because I was so worried about- you probably only remember the date because it's your passcode. 100%. (laughs) 100 percent is the only reason why i know the date that we got engaged because it is the passcode on my phone what date did you get engaged oh wait no no i'm not gonna tell you that (laughs) not gonna tell you that um i'll tell you once we're not recording um so yeah like that that is how it it stuck out of my head but see when you have a a, such a shortened dating process Mm -hmm. i would imagine that surface issues get exacerbated because there's so much like because we do so much vetting before we even go out with someone because we want to make sure like I don't want to waste my time on someone if you know if I want to marry a lawyer and he's a doctor then I'm not going to go out with a doctor and I'm just not going to you know bother with it that's obviously a very stupid example but you get the idea yeah um I would imagine that that would exacerbate some of these issues that we see yeah 
Yeah. I'm thinking about it. I think, I, I'll honestly say I haven't given this enough time to really have explored the differences that much. But at, off the top of my head, I almost feel like the difference is with the more secular community, it's a lot more of an internal struggle with everyone has external voices for sure, but it's a lot more internal versus the Orthodox community where it's internal exacerbated by external. Like in the Orthodox community, it is not in, uncommon for someone to be told by a matchmaker, you need to lose weight straight up. Right. So no beating around the bush here. No nice way of saying it. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't have an answer for it yet. Okay. Follow, follow up with me in a year. Okay. No Date set. <laughs> Make your passcode. <laughs> so what are some things that, you know, what, when you, when, when someone works with you and they that you know they get this confidence they can visualize themselves with their ideal man they can see that this is something that can happen for them mm -hmm. um what how does that manifest in other areas of their life how does that affect the way that they carry themselves it's an interesting question thanks <laughs> it's a really good question it's a really good question i will say in the last little while since I've been focusing on this aspect of the work that I do, I've really, the kind of marketing that I've done and the kind of clients that I've attracted have been the ones who have done a lot of inner work on the body positive stuff already, have worked on the body image, and they've gotten to the point where they're like, I'm okay with me. I'm in the best place I've ever been, but it's really scary to bring that to the next level. It's scary to bring another person into my life. I'm stuck when it comes to dating. So I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've had the other way where people worked with me. And as a result, again, too new into this portion of the coaching, follow up in a year. <laughs> we have to, we have to schedule it. We do have to schedule it. So what would you say to someone now who mm -hmm. is you know, maybe starting to date, maybe in the dating process, maybe has been told something like what you said, if you would just lose weight, I'd have more options for you. If you would just lose weight, more guys would be into you. Um, what would you say to someone who is thinking about that now, who is in that struggle right now? Don't believe it. Um, that's the bottom line. People talk a big talk. Reality doesn't reflect that. So I'm not saying that you might not be struggling with dating. You might be, and it might feel like it's about your weight, but I bet if you ask anyone who's been dating for a while, they're all going to have a reason why they're still single. It could be the stigma around weight. It could be the stigma around mental health. It could be the stigma around divorce and previous marriages. It could be the stigma around um, physical illness. It could be, there could be anything under the sun that they feel is the reason that they're struggling with dating. Mine happened to have been my weight. Yours might be your weight. Um, but it's not the reason that you're not married. And I think if you look around, you will see how many fat people get married every day. Literally, fat people get married every day. 
sometimes to fat people, sometimes to thin people, sometimes to somewhere in between. There's no rhyme or reason to whether fat women get married, you know, right when they start dating or they get married 10 years after dating. There's, there's literally, there isn't that stuff. So as much as people are going to tell you that it's going to be harder for you. And as much as people are telling you that you're only going to find love when you lose weight, millions of people have done it before you. What you're special. I mean, you're special, but like, you know what I mean? You're not that special. (laughs) Basically. I find a lot of comfort in saying like, you're not that special. Like whatever it is that you're going through, somebody else has gone through it before you. And I, I find that to be right. Exactly. Like this is, (laughs) this has been going on in the universe since the beginning of time. And you're not that special. And I find a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, look around on social media, use the hashtag married at every size, look at hashtags plus size couples, look at um, hashtag plus size brides, like actively seek out the validation or the information that you need to feel validated that your experience is possible, that what you're looking for can happen because the external voices are well-intentioned and they might be well-meaning, but they're totally inappropriate and they're totally not cool and not helpful. So it's kind of really up to you to look for the information that you need and to find the tools for you to implement so that you're not letting the voices, the external voices become your internal voice. Amen. That is fantastic. If somebody wants to learn more about you or be in touch with you, Sarah, where can they go? Loveitanysize.com. Book a free discovery call. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at find love at any size with a dot in between everyone. And who knows if that'll change in the future. So refer back to love at any size.com. <laughs> okay. And um, I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. And if you do ever change your Instagram name, you let me know and I'll change it in the show notes. So whenever okay. you're listening to this, um, that's going to be where you're going to find Sarah in the show notes. So uh, before we end off, I'd like to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is Ooh. to you, Sarah, my favorite fat love coach, what does it mean to make an impact? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I believe for me, making an impact means that I give other women the opportunity to make an impact in their own lives. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today, Sarah. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah, all of her links are in the show notes along with any other items we mentioned in our conversation. There you'll also find links to the most comfortable mask and at-home activities perfect for quarantine, some of which are free, all of which are high fashion. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.